Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hey, it is, as has been said before, a great day to be alive in the state of Tennessee, right? It is great to be here, and I hope that uh, you are excited about just your time today. And I hope that uh, the time that you are going to spend here, and I know I talk about this each and every week, but we really do mean this. We hope that the time that you spend here each week, that is going to bless the week that is to come. Right? I mean, that's why we're getting together. This, this event that we have, this gathering, is not just about the here and the now. It's about tomorrow. It's about the next day and the, and the next. Hopefully, you are filling your cup up so that as disciples of Jesus, you might be able to go and, and embrace your space. That's what we're talking about right now. We're looking at this idea of, of trying to manage being in between two different worlds. And so I brought this up last week. I know we had a lot that were uh, gone for camp. We've got the July 4th holiday weekend that was last weekend. And so people are, are traveling, continuing to do it all this month. And by the way, if the holiday weekends have brought you here, thanks so much for spending your holiday here uh, with us. We greatly, and we greatly appreciate it. But we were standing in a doorway between the world that was and the world that is. Now, many of you were born into the world that was, and it was an ordered world, and it made sense. It was the same world that your parents and even your grandparents, most likely, were born into. And there was a certain way that society was ordered, a certain way that the expectations in life were, were just known when it came to home, when it came to school, when it came to the way that things just worked in society, even the way that things operated in church. It's the way that things just were supposed to be. And that's the world that was. But there's a world that is now. There's a world that is. And for many people, it seems as if the world that is looks nothing like the world that was. And there's all this confusion. There is uncertainty on, on how that we, how do we act and, and what do we do? And, and everything just seems to be flipped on its ear. And what we are, we're actually standing in the doorway. You see, we're in between these two worlds into what some has called the gray zone. And it's that space that's in between. It's liminal space, perhaps you've heard it referred to. Or, or, or it's that time where Linus's blanket is in the dryer and he doesn't know what to do and he feels uncomfortable and there's all this anxiety that builds. You're leaving one land for another, but you haven't really left and you haven't fully entered. You're in a period of transition. And, and you've seen this happening where you've noticed over the last 20 years or so, you've seen where things have been changing and attitudes have been adjusting and, and there have been all types of different things that have been transitioning over these last 20 years and you've been trying to kind of put your finger on it and say, what is exactly happening? But you really don't have words for it imperceptible at first, but then you began to see small points of divergence. Society and culture began to look and respond differently than before. And it began to seem as if there was this, there were these new rules that were in place. And, and the places that you spent the majority of your time, and in the office, and at home, and at church, that now everything was just operating by a different playbook. And maybe you felt like that you weren't given the playbook. Everybody else knows the plays, but you don't. And eventually the old world expectations did not begin to align with the new world realities. It was the world that was and the world that is. But here's the deal. None of us are fully in either. Even those who have been born within the last 20 years. 
They're not necessarily in the world that is because we still don't know what that world is fully going to look like. They're also in that in-between. Now, Mark Sayers, in his book, A Non-Anxious Presence, he writes that the gray zone moment that we are in is one in which the very structure of society is shifting. Now think about this. There is a a change. There is a change in paradigm, a change in the way that just the world is operating. There is this shift that is taking place. And he warns that our gray zone is not just going to be a fleeting moment. It's not just like it's here today and then it's gone tomorrow. But rather, he says, it's an indefinite period of ongoing disruption and instability as the patterns that have defined the world for the last half century are radically reshaped. I want you to look at that again. It's an indefinite period of ongoing disruption and instability as the patterns that have defined the world for the last half century are radically reshaped. Guys, this is the space that we find ourselves in. This is the space that we are all living in. It's not getting a new app. It's getting a new operating system. A new operating system is being downloaded, and the deck is not just being reshuffled. The deck is actually being replaced. And there's no Lego map, and there's no cheat code for anybody. There are no absolutes. There are no assurances, and you can't see the lines. And man, that's uncomfortable, especially for someone like me who enjoys lines. Now, am am I the only one? How how many of you guys, man, you, you, you were line people, right? I mean, just give you a good line. You were taught to color in the what? In the lines, right? And if you were like me when it was lunchtime, you were often the line leader, right? Give you a good line, put you in front of it. When learning to drive, you were probably told to remember, keep it between the lines, yeah. See, you're all line people. You just didn't realize it. Lines provide boundaries and security. Lines help with direction. I like lines. So do you. So it was very difficult for me this last week when, when our staff went to eat downtown and, well, I, I turned into a parking lot that had no lines. It didn't have lines. You, you guys been to eat at, at, at Tony's? I'll do a little shameless plug, all right? Get 25% off next time I go. Have y'all been to eat at, at Tony's downtown? Uh, there is this area where you can park kind of behind that, that restaurant, you know, area. And it's just this open, concreted, bricked space. And, and I turn in, and there were no parking places. There were no spaces in which to park. Now, understand, people were parking. They were parking. Some were parked straight, and some were angle parked. And my palms begin to sweat as, as Stephen, you're in the car with me. And Stephen's saying, just park. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. He's like, why not? There are no spaces. Where, where am I supposed to park? Well, just park anywhere. Well, well no, it just, it just feels wrong, right? I mean, it just, it just feels wrong. Just park anywhere. Just be all willy-nilly about it and just, just wheel in there. I need lines. And so do many of you. Not for parking necessarily, but for your lives, for living. You see, you need boundary and you need security and 
you look for direction. And so many things these days just seem to be being done all willy-nilly, and, and people are just parking any way they want, they're, they're behaving any way they want, thinking any way that they want, living any way that they please, and maybe for you it just feels, it just feels wrong. You see, you and I have stepped across the threshold into something that's new, but here's the deal. It's not right or it's not wrong either. It just is. And whether on the other side of the door that you were walking through is a new relationship or a new, a new child, maybe it's a new career or a new address, maybe it's just a new way of doing business or perhaps even a new way of being church. You don't know exactly what the next step or what the next day or, or what the next text message is going to bring. You're in that space that's in between. And even though there is this pull that's within you not to park and just to keep on going or, or to just... Just stop the car where it is and get out and just fight somebody about it because I don't like it and I want somebody to put some spaces down or, or maybe you just freeze where you're at and people are blowing the horn at you saying, come on, boomer, move, let's go, let's go. I want to encourage you to embrace your space. Embrace your space. Because every transition and every adjustment and every crossroad and in every U-turn, in every gray zone, every space in between is an opportunity for God to impact that space through you. So you're moving on or, or, or you're moving up. You're moving out. The world is changing around you. You now have the opportunity to be the catalyst for change in a new neighborhood and in a new space. And so what I did last week, I, I kind of gave you three things that I think that we can do right now in this gray zone that will impact not only you, but also impact that very space that you share. And we talked briefly just about the idea of praying where you are and loving who you can and, and giving what you have. We touched on those briefly, but I said that over the next few weeks, we were going to kind of, of dive down a little bit deeper and, and open those thoughts up a little more. And so that's what I want to do this morning with the first one. Pray where you are. When you find yourself in this liminal space, in that space that's in between, when you're being told to park and there's no spaces, what do you do? Well, pray where you are. That's exactly what the people of God were told when they found themselves in a gray zone of exile. Now, let me give you a little bit of context here before we, we dive into this praying idea. See, approximately 600 years before the time of Christ, Jehovah God allowed the southern kingdom of Judah to be attacked by the Babylonians, and they were subdued by the Babylonians as punishment for their continued idolatry. You see, the nation of Israel had divided into two different nations after the death of Solomon. And so you had the northern kingdom, which about 100 years before this time had already seen punishment come at the hand of the Assyrians, and they had been overcome by it. And now you have this southern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, and they're now feeling the pain in the siege of war. And the Jewish chronicler provides us a history of the events, and this is how they were recorded. The chronicler says, The Babylonians had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, the old and the infirm. Then Nebuchadnezzar's army, he was the king of the Babylonians, burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and completely destroyed everything of value. And then it's added that the few who survived 
were taken as exiles to Babylon, and they became servants to the king and to his sons. Now, scholars estimate that just under 25% of the Jewish population was taken to Babylon as spoils of war. And the Babylonians had the practice of taking the best and leaving the rest whenever they conquered a neighboring people. So over the course of about 15 years, the best and brightest there of the southern kingdom, the best and brightest there in Jerusalem, well, they were removed from their homeland. They lost their identity as a people. They lost their homes. They, they lost their businesses. They were separated from family and friends. They were forced to go from the world that was into the world that is. They were forced to trade the known for the unknown. Uncertainty then became commonplace. And they had to just make difficult decisions on how they were going to literally survive. And in Psalm 137, there it's described the despair of those who were forced out into exile. And it says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put our harps away and hung them on branches of poplar trees, for our captors demanded a song for us. But our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? How could they sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? How could they be happy when everything had been forever changed? With one foot in the world, they remembered Jerusalem and wept. And with another foot in the world that, that is, they stood by the rivers of Babylon and they refused to sing. And I think you know that feeling. I, I think you know that feeling of being caught in between. And maybe it's not just the, the big meta-narrative of what's happening within our society and culture and our world. Maybe it's, it's in those personal narratives that you have because you are in the process of moving from one world to another. And you're moving from, from a relationship that was strong and vibrant and now, and now that relationship's gone and you're in that in-between and you're trying to figure out how to act. You're, you had a job and it was a good job and you felt comfortable in that and you knew what you were supposed to do and you knew what was expected of you, but, but now you're having to, to go into a, another role. Now you've been told that you need to transition to, a, to another position and a, a, another group and, and now you're having to go out and send out resumes and you're in between space and you're, you're not sure what to do. Maybe you've moved here to Chattanooga. Maybe you've moved and you know what? It's not like where you used to be. It's not like home or, or it's not like wherever it was that you came from. And you know that this is now the world that is, but you still remember that world that was. And you're trying to find your space and you're, you're trying to figure out what you should do while it is that you were here. And you know the feeling that these individuals had where people are like, hey, ju just be happy about it. Enjoy and make the most of this opportunity. And you're like, I can't sing. You know the feeling. The prophet Jeremiah had been left behind in Jerusalem with the sick and the maimed. But he sent word to those who were there along the rivers of Babylon. Those who were pining for Jerusalem and, and wanting the world that was and wanting things to be like they used to be. And here's what he told them. The prophet's words in Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll pick up reading in verse 4. He says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. 
build homes, and plan to stay. Plant gardens, eat the food that they produce, marry and, and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Don't dwindle away. You read that and it sounds like they're going to be in an extended gray zone, right? In fact, he goes on to tell them that it is going to be some 70 years before any of their number is able to see Jerusalem again, before they'll ever be able to return to their homeland. So he says, embrace your space. Get comfortable. But things just aren't going to change anytime soon. And in fact, he tells them to grow in the space that they're in. He says, grow some neighborhoods and grow crops and grow your family. Grow. Don't just stand there beside the river pining for the world that was and cursing the world that is. Grow. And you know what? That's some great advice for us today. Some great advice for the person that's mourning the death of a marriage or a spouse. For the person that's emailing resumes trying to find a job or for that person you're looking for that new trade. It's great advice for the couple that's welcoming their first child or, or the husband and wife that's adjusting to an empty nest. Man, it's great advice for the church member who's, who's been a part even of, of this church body maybe for 40 years. And, and it's great advice for you if you're a new member who's just joined our midst. Grow. Because the space in between the world that was and the world that is can be the space of your greatest growth. It could be during this time right now that your faith grows like it's never grown before or your tolerance is able to expand. It is during this moment, in this time, in this space that you find yourself in that you begin to grow in humility and, and in empathy. It could be right here and now. It could be this next week where your passion for God begins to be rekindled. The commitment that you have to the body begins to just grow and grow in the midst of this space that you find yourself in. You have to embrace your space. You embrace your space, he says, and you grow. In order to do that, he tells them, you've got to start praying. He said, if you're going to be able to grow, if you're going to be able to grow those neighborhoods and, and your family's going to grow and you're going to be able to put down some roots and you're going to be able to say, you know what, this is not where I plan to be, but this is where I am and I'm going to make the most of this and I'm going to honor God. He says, then if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to pray. He says, let me give you something specific to pray about. In verse 7, he says, not only does he want them to grow, but he says, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. You see, it wasn't enough for them to grow while they were in exile, but they were expected to be a blessing to Babylon. Jeremiah tells the people to be intentional about promoting peace and prosperity in the pagan cities that they were living in. Instead of giving in to the voice that was inside their head that says, fight out against the oppressor. Instead, he said, you actively work for the betterment of your captors. Not just in words and not just in deeds, but with prayer. Pray where you are and ask the Lord to bless your in-between space with peace and growth. Now, I think it's worth noting that in the book Uncommon Ground, theologian and author Kristen D. Johnson points out that these exiles were not called by God 
to turn the nations in which they lived into Israel. Now think about that. They were not called to turn the nation that they lived in into holy Israel. They were not, for example, she says, to try to establish Babylon as God's holy nation or to think that its laws or ways of life would reflect their own convictions. Church, are you listening to me? Nor were they to abandon the places in which they found themselves. God did not call them to be so secluded as his holy people that they lacked concern for the cities where they were living or the peoples around them. She says this was the tension. This was the tension that God asked them to navigate. Live as my holy people, as strangers, exiles in the foreign land, at the hands of the people living there. Even as you seek the shalom, the peace, the welfare of that place and those people. Pray for your space. Pray for your space that it will thrive. And you will thrive. Church, what do you think it would look like to seek the peace and welfare of our city? To actively seek to be a blessing as opposed to a bother. What would it look like for the people of God to ask for the peace and prosperity of God? to be enjoyed by each person in this space. This space that we right now see ourselves in as a society, as a world. This space that you right now find yourself in, in your home and, and in the office. The space that you're in on the campus. The space that, that you're in, even within the church community. What if your prayers were focused on the fact, Lord, bless this space. And yes, that could mean praying blessings on people and practices that you might not like or agree with. But instead of fighting the world that is because you just prefer the world that was, or instead of fleeing into a safe zone where everyone agrees and you don't have to be uncomfortable, or instead of freezing up, unable to move and, and unable to grow, pray that your space, and pray that your family, pray that your office, pray that your school district, pray that your city council, pray that your neighbors, pray that your church might enjoy the peace and the prosperity of God. Will you do that? Will you purposely pray for your space? I believe Scripture teaches you'll be blessed if you do. So, so here's, I just want to try this. Here's what I want us to do. As you head off, whether it be work or home or, or wh whatever your travels take you to, whether it be when you leave this place here or, or, or tomorrow when you start, I want you to do something each place that you go to, all right? I want you just to say these four simple words. Lord, bless this space. Let, let, let's practice that. You ready? Let's just say that together. Lord, Bless this space. Lord, bless this space. Lord, bless this space. One more time, because I want to make sure that you got this. Four words, that's all. You ready? Lord, I think you got it. But, but, but now, can we, 
Can we turn that just for a minute? And can we just be here silently for a moment? And can you say one thing to God right now? I want you to think about the space that you're in. I want you to think about the space, whether, whatever it is, that space that you're in where you're just uncomfortable. Again, it can be something that is specific to, to you and, and just your family, your personal situation. It could be a larger cultural issue. But I want you to think about what that space is, where you're in between the world that was and the world that is, and you're in that doorway, and you've got one foot in both, but you are firmly standing in the gray zone. I want you to think of that space. You think of what brings you anxiety, and you'll know what that space is. And now here's what I want you to do. I've got a stopwatch. And just for 30 seconds, I want you to say one thing, and you can say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. I don't care. Lord, bless my space. Lord, bless my space. And all who are there. And all who work with me and all who live with me, right? All who I interact with, Lord, bless my space. 30 seconds. Maybe that's how you need to begin your day. And then as you go into each of those spaces, then again say, Lord, bless the space. Jeremiah said that the welfare of those exiles was tied to the welfare of the Babylonians. Did you catch that? He said they needed for the Babylonians to be happy. It was in their best interest that the Babylonians were happy. Kind of like if mama's not happy, nobody's happy, right? They didn't want things to go bad in Babylon because who do you think these superstitious pagans were going to blame if all of a sudden the water holes dried up and all the animals fell over? Who were they going to blame? Well, it has to be who? It has to be these people from Jerusalem because we just brought them here into our space and look at all this stuff that's happening. They're causing this. So understand, yes, there is some blatant self-interest praying that's going on here. And let's be honest, things are better when your supervisor is happy, Right? And conversations go smoother when your in-laws are enjoying life. But there's more to it than that. Praying for the peace and prosperity of your in-between space, it doesn't just impact you peripherally. That, that's kind of what Jeremiah is showing. You say, look, you're going to seek, get the benefits if you pray for your space and if you pray for the people in your space to be blessed and even for the pagan people and even for these spaces that, that you don't necessarily feel comfortable in. If you pray for the blessing of God to be there, you are going to be blessed peripherally. But I want you to hear this morning that prayer also impacts you personally. 
You see, 600 years later, the Apostle Paul, who was a religious descendant of those exiles, wrote his own letter of encouragement to a group of people who were living in a Roman culture, another foreign culture that did not share their values, did not share their beliefs, they did not go with their laws. And he said to them, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your space. Don't worry about the changes that are going on around you. He says, instead, I want you to pray for everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray for everything. He says, determine to be a person who prays, even though you don't know what's next. You don't know what's going to happen next semester. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow when you walk into work. You don't know what's going to happen the next time all of your family gets together. You don't know what's going to happen the next time the doctor calls. But you determine to be the person who prays, even though you don't know what's next. And even though you don't currently or particularly like the current circumstance that you find yourself in or the state of affairs that are around you. You be a person who passionately prays where you are right now in this space. And if you do so, here's what Paul says. He says, if you pray in your space, you will experience God's peace. And it will exceed anything that you can understand. See, according to the Apostle Paul, prayer brings personal peace. So if I pray, think about this, if I pray for the peace and growth of those in my space, then I receive from God peace so that I can better grow in this space. Do you see how it's a win-win? Do you see how it's a win-win when you pray for your space and pray that God will bless this space that you find yourself in? But notice that Paul doesn't promise that if you pray, you'll receive a map or you'll receive a plan or a fix or a check or even healing. Paul promises that if you pray, you will receive God's peace. Peace for the in-between space. You see, now I know what some of us have been doing. We've been praying over the last few years to be able to move either back into the world that was or be fully into the world that is. We want to leave the space that we find ourselves right now. We don't like the job, we don't like the town, we don't like the classes, we don't like the relationship, we don't like what's happening within our culture, we don't like our neighbors, and we just, God, here's what I want you to do. Move me. Move me. And God says, but maybe I want you right where you are. Maybe I have brought you to this space. For a reason. See, God knows that when we are in that in-between space, our hearts and our minds are vulnerable. Uncertainty and insecurity and doubt and fear become the loudest voices. And so he provides what we need most. He, he doesn't end the pain and he doesn't always fix the problem. He doesn't always heal the disease, but he gives us what we need the most, his peace. He gives it to us for our hearts, but he also gives it to us for our space. So church, pray where you are. Pray where you are. Stephen, I did not like the fact that there were no parking spaces. Can, can you just give me an oh yeah on that? Oh yeah. Didn't like it. Did not like it that you would have a parking area and not give people 
spaces in which to park so that everybody could be lined up just right. I didn't like it that people were just told, I'll do whatever you want to. Just park however you feel. But get this. I parked anyway. I parked anyway. I didn't like it, but I did it because I had something more important to do. See, we'd gone there to share a meal and to celebrate Kristen Adair, who for the last couple of years has been, been one of our ministers here. She's worked with our youth, but she's transitioning to a, a new space now as she has moved to, to Nashville to, to teach. And, and so because there was something more important to do, I did something that I did not like and, and I did not I- enjoy because there was something greater. There was something greater to do. In church, there's something greater that you've been called to. You see, every transition and every adjustment, every crossroad, every U-turn, every space in between, every doorway that you stand in is the opportunity for greater kingdom impact. And you were created by God to be a catalyst for change. You were not created to take up space, but to make a difference in the space that you're in. So let me encourage you this morning, don't run and hide. Don't become paralyzed by anxiety. Don't let your anger dictate your behavior in this space that you're in. Instead, embrace the moment. Embrace the moment and you be God's change in this space. You be God's change in this space. So in whatever space you find yourself today, dedicate yourself to vibrantly and passionately praying where you are. Talk to God about the people and interests within your space. And then ask the Lord to bless them. Ask him to bless this time in your life. Tell him about what burdens you. Tell him how that you don't really like the space that you find yourself in. Tell him what keeps you up at night. Talk to God about what you see going on around you. Talk to him about what's happening in your home and and in your neighborhood. Talk to him about what's going on on the campus, in your classroom, and in your office. Talk to him about what you see in the country. Talk to him about what you see happening in this space. And then you ask him to pour out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. You pray where you are, and God will make a difference in your midst. But church, understand, and and we're going to end every lesson in this series the same way. You cannot change your space until you allow God to make a change in you. You can't do it. And for some of you, it's time to change your attitude. For others of you, it's time to change your outlook. Some of you need to change your goals. There are some of you here who need to change your focus. It's time to make change in your space. So embrace it. Because you need to understand, you are not the only one that's in this space. And yes, everybody else is here too, but, and here's the last slide that we're going to put up. I want you to see something. Friend, God's in this space with you. And if you want to make a difference in the space that you're in, then you first have to allow God to change you. You have to take your anxiety and and, and give it to him and say, Lord, I've been praying the wrong prayers for a while now because I've been in this space and I've been saying, get me out of it. Instead, I've got to change the way that I'm praying. And and you need to be able within this space to see 
the commitment that you need to have at this time and in this moment, how that this space needs someone to stand up for God and to speak the name of Jesus and to, to live out the fruit of the Spirit in this space. And you need to say, you know, I'm going to be that individual and I'm going to commit myself to that. And God needs to change you for that to happen. We have some of our elders that are in our prayer room. It's located in our lobby just behind the doors that are there behind you. There is a room that just says prayer room. There on the door, you're welcome to go in there. And maybe you need to pray with one of our, one of our pastors here and just say, Lord, bless this space. Maybe you need to come before this church body today and say, you know what, I really, I, I need the prayers of this church family together because I am struggling in this space that I am in. I want to run back to the world that was. I don't like what I think the world that is coming. And we, we need to maybe pray for your strength because Satan is working on your heart right here now. Maybe you need to come before this church body saying, you know what? I am ready to be God's change in my space, and I want to be baptized into Christ. I want, I want my sins. I want them to be gone. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God so that I might be able to be changed for God. Whatever your need is, we're going to encourage one another. We're going to, we're going to sing a song. I believe it's um, Just As I Am, right? We're going to sing a song together. And as we do, if you do nothing else, just sing and pray, God, bless my space. Bless my space space. Bless my, let's stand and give him praise.